Amen. Put your hands together. Give God the praise. Would you stretch your hands to heaven and begin to magnify the name of Jesus? There's a sweet touch of the Holy Ghost in this house. Would you lift your voice and your hands, ARC? Just bless the name of Jesus. Anybody excited to be in the house of the Lord? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. There's no telling what's going to happen in this service today. If you have your Bibles, let's open quickly to Revelation chapter 2. And while you turn there, I give honor to Pastor and Sister Hood. Um, what incredible leaders. Amen. I give honor to the praise team. What incredible music and worship. Amen. Amen. Sisterhood and Brother Diaz are locked in on the cuts. And man, I was enjoying the music. Praise God. Amen. And so um, none of that just happens. It takes practice and it takes anointing. And so we're thankful for people who use their gifts. Amen. For the kingdom of God and all the incredible things that are happening around here at ARC. I'll tell you what, if I didn't have anywhere to preach next week, I would be here to hear Brother Sutton. Amen. Amen. Um, sometimes um, congregation can not be aware of the quality of people that are being brought through here. And I'm not saying that because I'm here. Praise God. But Brother Sutton is one of my favorite preachers and um, he's one of the best that Pentecost has to offer. And so uh, I want you to be aware your pastor is bringing in the best that Pentecost has to offer. And you're a blessed people. You're a blessed people. Amen. And um, um, I'm so excited to be here. Um, my, my family's not here with me, and I miss them incredibly. And um, I'm sure my wife is listening online. I love and appreciate her. And I love and appreciate this church. And I'm so thankful for the connection that God has placed between myself and this church and um, there's some places as I travel, um, and I've talked to your pastor too, but I'm not that eager to go back to, amen. <laughs> but Carson City is a place when Brotherhood calls, you make it happen. And I'm so thankful for what God is doing here um, because uh, there, there are places you go and you pour out and you leave and you're glad that you could be a blessing, but you leave feeling drained. There's other places you go and you pour out and the church pours back into you and you leave feeling recharged. I'm so thankful. Amen. For this church. Amen. I'm so thankful for what God's doing. Amen. Amen. I feel a preach in my spirit and I pray that you would preach with me today. I won't be long and we'll let the Holy Ghost have its way. If you're here and you're a first time visitor, welcome to the house of God. Amen. Welcome to the house of God. Amen. God is wanting to do something special in your life. I believe before this service is over that someone is going to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. Amen. Revelation chapter 2, starting at verse number 8. If you have it, say amen. Amen. The word of the Lord says, And unto the angel of the church in Smyrna, write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know thy works in tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of these things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. 
He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Amen. We preached and dealt with pressure, and I feel like this is a continuation. I feel like God wants to strengthen someone today. The help of the Holy Ghost, I'm going to preach from this thought, the letter to the church of Smyrna. The letter to the church of Smyrna. Can you set your Bibles down? Would you lift your hands and would you pray with me that God would have his way? Would you lift your voice and begin to pray? We need God's anointing here. We need his word to fall on good ground in our heart. God, we praise you. We give you glory. We give you honor for there is none like you under heaven or in the heavens. We've come to magnify you. We've come to praise your name. We pray that your word would begin to sweep through this house. I pray, God, that you would lift the heavy hearted. I pray, God, that you would lift the crushed in spirit. I pray that your spirit and your word would transform our hearts and our minds. God, I pray that when we walk out of this place today, God, that we're stronger than when we came in. And we'll give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. Would you clap your hands one more time? <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, come on. Would you clap your hands and shout with the voice of triumph? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated. I feel the anointing of the Lord in this house. Amen. The letter to the church of Smyrna. Amen. None of my friends or people who really know me would classify me as the most artistic person. I remember growing up in high school, I took art class, and let's just say it didn't go well. Um, that could have been for a bunch of different reasons. But as I started to get older, I started to take a deeper interest in art because I began to realize that painting is more than just the colors on the canvas, but that paintings can tell a story and it can leave a great emotion on the viewer. And on my quest to become a little more acquainted with art, um, I did what most novices would do, and I went into Google and typed in world's greatest artist. <laughs> Amen. And as I began to look down the list and consult other web pages, there was one name that consistently appeared at the top of Best Paintings list. It was a man by the name of Vincent Van Gogh. Vincent Van Gogh, he painted an infamous painting entitled The Starry Night. When it was all said and done, he would go down as one of the greatest artists who ever lived. He was a man whose style and innovation would redefine the landscape of art, not only for his generation, but for future generations. But in reality, a, a, a deeper glance into his story, you'll quickly find that his story is actually one of great tragedy. He was a man who struggled severely with depression and mental illness. It was said that Van Gogh, Van Gogh struggled with depression because he felt an intense pressure 
to become the next great artist. In fact, his painting we mentioned at the offset of this sermon is one that would go on to sell for millions of dollars. It was actually painted in a psychiatric asylum. And this battle with depression and intense pressure, everybody say pressure, was one that eventually Van Gogh would lose. And he would tragically take his own life before he would ever see how great and beloved his artwork would become. The emotions that Van Gogh felt are feelings that are no stranger to the human experience today. We all face feelings of depression, anxiety, and stress. We all want to leave a mark on the world while at the same time struggling just to make it each day. Life in general, especially the life of a Christian in our day and age, is a life that's full of persecution and accusation. Gone are the generations that feared God. Gone are the generations that respected Christianity. To be a Christian today is to be someone who's mocked and looked down and frowned upon. Living for God is a life of pressure. Amen. Living uh, uh, in general is a life of pressure. Trying to serve God and trust in his promises while at the same time acknowledging the reality of the uncertainty and difficultness of our present situation. If we're being honest here today, it's a battle that many, just like Van Gogh, tragically fell. As we look around in these last days, we observe a lot of people walking out on God, giving up the faith and spiritually caving to the weight and the pressure of life. This morning, I pray the Holy Ghost would allow me to be a trumpet of hope, to declare to you that in all the pressure, in all the heartache, and in all the persecution, there is a reason for you to have hope this morning. Hear me, no matter how gloomy or difficult your situation may be, I want you to know that there's a reason for you to leave here full of faith. I want you to learn today that with the help of the Holy Ghost, that there are advantages that come only when we're under pressure. Amen. That there is an advantage that can come no matter how difficult, no matter how unpleasant, no matter how hopeless, and no matter how dark your situation may be. That unlike the devil would have you think that there are positive outcomes that can come from negative experiences. You see, although Van Gogh's story is a tragic one, to me it's a reminder that some of our greatest accomplishments can come from some of the darkest moments of our life. Hear this preacher today. Some of your highest achievements can come from some of the lowest periods of your life. Some of your greatest work can be painted in the place where nothing good should come from. I've come to preach to you today that it's my desire that by the end of this sermon, you, like Joseph, may have people and circumstances that have brought pressure and persecution and pain into your life. But you can leave here standing tall with your 
held high, your head held high, and your shoulders squared, and declare that what you meant for me was evil, but God used it for good. Can I preach to somebody today? You're going to leave here with the testimony that in spite of the best attempts of the devil and in spite of the best attempts of haters, you walked out of here understanding that God still takes messes and makes masterpieces. I've come to leave you with hope today. Hear this preacher that in one moment, God can turn your situation around. That's why it's important to come into the house of God because, hear me, one touch can change your life. One touch can change your future. I'm preaching this today because I'm the result of one touch of the Holy Ghost. Can I tell somebody today, when my mom stumbled into Revival Center in Modesto, California with three little boys, uh, it was a last attempt, amen, to find some reason to go forward. My mom struggled with depression. My mom struggled with suicide. And she even later in life told me stories of her trying to throw herself in front of trucks. She was ready to end it all. But I'm telling you, when we came into the house of God, and when God filled her with the gift of the Holy Ghost, uh, one touch changed her life. Uh, and can I tell you, her boy is preaching today because one moment with God can turn your situation around. One moment in God will not only turn your situation around, but it'll turn your children's future around. Uh, can I tell you, I'm the result uh, of one moment in the house of God. And if you're a visitor here today, let me tell you, no matter how dark your life is. Today can be the day. Come on, today can be the day that your life changes for better. But the key is we can't give up the faith. We can't give up on God. We can't throw in the towel before God is done writing our story. If I'm preaching to somebody like Van Gogh today, hear me. You have to live long enough to see the beauty that's painted in the darkness. Amen. You have to live to see what greatness can be born in the valley. You have to live to see the goodness of God unfolded in your life. With the help of the Holy Ghost today, I want to give you some perspective on pressure and what it produces and what God is trying to do in your life and help you understand that God does his greatest work in the darkest times. Would you lift your hands and love Jesus for a few moments? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you give the Lord a hand cap of praise? Amen. This concept that I'm preaching to you today is not just a concept that's developed in some self-help book that's on a bestsellers list in Barnes and Nobles. But it's evident from the very setting of our scripture text. John pens the book of Revelation, one of the greatest prophetical books ever recorded in all of scripture on the Isle of Patmos. Somebody say Patmos. You have to understand that Patmos was a rocky and desolate island and John wasn't there on vacation. 
Patmos essentially served in those times as a prison without walls. And John was there in exile and would spend the rest of his life in horrible back-breaking labor until his death. And he wasn't there for any wrong that he had done. But the Bible tells us he was sent there because of the word of God he preached and for the testimony of Jesus Christ that he spread. And rather than give up the faith, rather than question God why he faced such hardship and persecution, this is what John says in Revelation chapter 1 verse 10. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. I want you to catch this today. This is the beginning of understanding pressure. That the start to one of the most deep and most prophetical books recorded in scripture did not come up from a man that was wallowing in his despair. It did not come from a man who complained and questioned God why his faithfulness to God had led him to a place of death. It didn't come from a man who was angry and bitter at God because of all his good efforts being returned with evil. But the start to one of the most prophetical books came from a man who was in the spirit on the Lord's day. You see, John had the same revelation and understanding that we need to have today. That you can break my body and you can place me in a lonely and desolate island where I'll die. But in the midst of the chains and bondage, the pressure and persecution, I can still get in the spirit. I can still touch the throne of God. And I can produce a book that will bless the body of Christ for millenniums in a place that was meant for my destruction. You see, too often we think we have to get out of the trial to see the hand of God and the blessing and the favor of our Savior. But I've come to preach in the house today that the Bible says in Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Can I tell you what scripture is showing us? That God is saying, I can bless you in a place that was meant for your destruction. I can give you life in a place that was meant for death. Come on, but it's all predicated on if we'll get in the spirit and out of our natural lives. Amen. John had the revelation that I'm bound up, amen, but I can rise above my bondage if I will get in the spirit. Can I tell somebody one of the keys to handling pressure in the last days that we're living here on earth is to get in the spirit, to get in the spirit in prayer, to get in the spirit. Let me tell you why it's important, because God knows everything from end to the beginning. And when you pray, what you'll start to feel is a peace about your situation. A peace that is not warranted based off of what's going on in your life. A peace that doesn't make sense when you begin to look at what's going on in your life. Can I tell you when you preach or when you pray and you feel the peace of God, God is giving you a little insight to what's about to happen in your life. And if you pray and feel peace, I don't care how dark your situation is. Can I tell you God has everything under control. You just got to get in the spirit. You got to get in the spirit and begin to pray. You got to get in the spirit.
Amen. I'm preaching this to ARC. Amen. We preached about prayer on, on Wednesday, uh, and I feel that same anointing uh, that somebody's answer is going to come uh, when you start to pray, uh, when you start to pray, God, get me out of my natural eyesight uh, and get me into the realm of the spirit uh, where I understand uh, even when it doesn't make sense, uh, even when it feels like all hope is lost, uh, even when I'm facing the pressure of a lifetime, I can feel the peace of God. That passes all understanding. I can understand that God does not have to take me out to bless me. God does not have to remove you to anoint you. He said, thou anointest my head with oil in the presence of mine enemies. We serve a God that says I can give you sustenance in the middle of what you're going through. We serve a God that says my plan doesn't change based on your environment. My plan doesn't change based on what the devil's doing. Can I preach to somebody today? God's not intimidated by the devil. God's not intimidated by your bills. God's not intimidated by what you're going through. We serve a God that says my plan is forever settled. And if you could ever tap into what God's doing and take your eyes off of what the devil's doing, come on, you'll have a little more faith and a little more fight in your spirit. God has never been defeated. God has never taken a loss. God has never had a setback. And if you'll tap into the spirit of God, you're going to get that victorious spirit on you that says, come on, even if you bring me to a desert, there's going to be waters that begin to spring forth because if God's hand is on my life and if God has a plan for my family, I will not die. I'm going to live to see the goodness of God. Hear me, saint of God. Even when you're surrounded, you don't need to be intimidated. Even when it seems like all hope is lost, you don't need to be intimidated by pressure. I've come to preach to somebody God doesn't break. And if you're full of the Holy Ghost, you won't break. I know you feel like you can't handle anymore, but I've come to tell you I'll never put more on you than what you can bear. And if you're going through it, maybe you're stronger than what you think you are. Maybe you're more capable than what you think you are. you got to tap into the Spirit of God. And say, I'm not going to be downcast because of my situation. But I'm going to get in the spirit on the Lord's day. Hear me. Pressure is not meant to destroy you. But pressure is the catalyst that reveals the power and the supernatural workings of God. Uh, too often we want to run away from pressure. All the while praying for a miracle from God. Not understanding that pressure, hear me. I want you to get this today. Pressure is the catalyst for the supernatural. Darkness is the catalyst for creative work. It was, on a, it was on a world that was dark and void and empty that the Spirit of God began to move. Can I tell you, God moves, amen, in places that are desolate. God moves in environments that are chaotic. God moves in lives that are broken. God moves on drug addicts. God moves, come on, on alcoholics. God moves on the depressed. God moves on the stress. God moves when you're feeling anxiety. God moves when all hope is lost and you have no one else to turn to. Can I tell you, we serve a God that says, I'm going to bless you in the pressure. It's in the pressure you're going to see my hand. It's in the darkness that you're going to see a great light. You have to understand, hear me, I'm getting somewhere. Amen. That the storm won't break me 
it makes me stronger. The trial won't kill me. It makes me trust God anymore, even more. I'm preaching that there's purpose and that there's order that comes when we allow God to get the glory from our difficult situations. I want you to see this because what I'm preaching about, about pressure and the ca- it being the catalyst for the supernatural, is very evident when you begin to study the scripture text we took today. I want you to understand this. I want you to walk with me. I want you to see this in scripture, that the church that we read about today is the city in Smyrna. And the church of Smyrna was one of the seven churches that John would address in the opening chapters of the book of Revelation. In these letters to the seven churches, John would rebuke and correct these churches, and he would give severe warnings in the Holy Ghost. But what you'll find interesting is that there were only two churches that were praised. There were only two churches that were given an applause for their work. It was the churches of Smyrna and the church of Philadelphia. What's interesting is that these also were the two churches that were persecuted the most. The two churches that were praised the most were also the two churches that were persecuted the most. I want you to see the irony of what Smyrna was going through because Smyrna was a beautiful location and time would fail me to talk of its beauty, its location, its history and geography, but in spite of its beauty in scripture, It's primarily known as the persecuted church. Everybody say persecution. It was a church that was facing great persecution. There were people that were literally being killed for their faith. But I want you to notice what God does when addressing the persecuted church. I want want you to walk with me through this. In each of his addresses to the churches, he would choose a title or a phrase to announce and open his word to that church. To Ephesus, he was the one who holds the seven stars and walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. To Pergamos, he was the one who had the sharp sword with two edges. To Thyatira, he was the one with eyes like a flame of fire and feet like brass. To Sardis, he was the seven stars. To Philadelphia, he was holy and he was true. And to Laodicea, he was the amen, the faithful and true witness. And out of all the titles he could have chosen for the church in Smyrna, we find God announcing himself in Revelation chapter 2, verse 8, as the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. You see, God chose this title because he was letting the church in Smyrna know that although some of you are being put to death, I want to make it abundantly clear that I was dead, but now I am alive. He was reminding the church, you may be persecuted unto death, but I want you to face that persecution understanding that I've already won the victory over death, hell, and the grave. And although you're facing persecution, I am the God of the resurrection. You see, he then reminds them in verse number 10 that they will receive a crown of life, showing them no matter what happens in life, I am still in control. Anybody thankful for a God that can relate to what you're going through? 
God wrote to the most persecuted church and let them know, I know some of you are losing your life for my name's sake, but even as you die, I want you to know I've already won the victory over what you're facing. Come on, I've already been through what you're facing, and I am the God of the resurrection, and those that die in me will be resurrected again and spend eternity in my presence. Can I preach to somebody today? You feel like it's going to kill you. You feel like it's going to take you out. You feel like it's going to kill your family. You feel like it's going to kill your church. Can I tell you, he's the God of the resurrection. He's the God of the resurrection. He was dead, and now he's alive. Come on. Come on. Even... I don't care if the devil has told you the promises of God are dead in your life. Can I tell you, even if they're dead, what God wants to do in this service is resurrect some dreams. Come on. Come on, your situation is dead until Jesus steps in. Your situation is hopeless until Jesus steps in. There are some of you who have lost things. I feel the I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost to tell you there are some things that are going to come back to life in this service. There are some dreams that are going to come back to life in this service because it's dead until you put it in Jesus' hands. It's dead until you roll the stone away. It's dead until you say, Jesus, here I am, and God will begin to speak life in what you thought was dead. Can I tell you, I wouldn't be here today if God didn't resurrect broken dreams. I wouldn't be here today if God wouldn't looked at my hopeless situation and said there's still life. Can I tell you he's the first, he's the last, he's alpha, he's omega, he's beginning, and he's the ending. Come on, he's before and he's after. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody today. There's life here. There's hope here. There's favor here. You just got to endure the persecution. You got to endure the pressure and understand pressure doesn't make me weak. Pressure makes me strong. Pressure won't take me out. Pressure will take me through. I'm preaching to somebody today. You're stronger than what you think you are. You're stronger than what you think you are. Come on, this wasn't meant to break you down. This was meant to build you up. Pressure. I'm preaching about pressure. I'm preaching about hardship. I'm preaching about persecution. It's the process through which God begins to form and develop something that's stronger than when it went into the storm. Pressure and persecution are the catalyst for God to unlock the supernatural in your life. And God wanted to make sure to let the church in Smyrna know that I'm the God of life. Even when you feel like you're dying. I don't know who I'm preaching to today. But I'm trying to preach to somebody. There's life here in the house. There's life in the house. You can get back up again. You can get back up. Hear this preacher. You can get back up again. Hallelujah. This isn't in my notes, but I got to preach it today. Can I tell you? Amen. I used to struggle with condemnation. I would struggle with condemnation. But I had to reach, here, I feel the Holy Ghost. I had to reach a place where I understood that the purpose of God was greater than my mistake. That his grace was greater than my mistake. Let me ask you a question today. Amen. How good would God be if he couldn't forgive you for a mistake you made? How good would God be? Come on, come on, I'm, I'm pre let me preach real today. Amen. I came out of a church 
where if you messed up, you were sat down, you were made fun of, you had to get up and tell the church your sins. Can I preach to somebody today? God is greater than all that mess. God is greater than all that mess. Let me tell you why you're forgiven. You're not forgiven because you're good. You're forgiven because his grace is greater than your mistake. If God could not forgive you for a mistake you made, that would mean your sin was greater than the grace of God. But I'm forgiven because his grace, come on, is greater than my mistake. I'm forgiven because his grace overcomes my dilemma. And I've come to priestess, get back up. Get back up. There's life. I know you're being persecuted. I know you're facing pressure. Get back up. His grace is greater than your mistake. Amen. I'm, I'm, man, 28 minutes already. Praise God. Has it been that long? <laughs> Amen. I'm trying to preach to somebody today that what God wants to do is restore. Restore. Because this is what we're made to think. We're made to think we're forgiven, and that means we have to spend the rest of our life on a pew and not be what God wants us to become. Now, I, I understand, I understand there's certain things, and I, you, you get what I'm saying. But for the most part, what I'm preaching is that you can get back up and be what God has called you to become. You can get back up and be what God has called you to become. And I feel like God is about to restore not only, amen, a saint who has fallen, but God is going to restore a broken heart who needs to be filled with the Holy Ghost today. Just hear me. Hear me. One of the things that pressure does, pressure positions us. Pressure positions us. And sometimes God will send pressure to position us to see what we've been praying about. Hear me. If you're a visitor in this house and you are not filled with the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in tongues. All the things that have happened in your life, hear me, you might think I'm crazy, but I'm telling you, I've seen this enough. All the things that have happened in your life, pressure has pushed you to this place today. Pressure has pushed you to this moment. And if I, hear me, if you have to go through everything you went through to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, can I tell you how to thank God for the pressure? Thank God for the pressure. Because the pressure didn't break you, the pressure broke the curse of sin. The pressure didn't break you, the pressure released you into the house of God. And there's somebody that's going to walk out of this house today full of the Holy Ghost that's going to say, thank God for everything I've been through. If it led me to this moment in the presence of God. Come on, I'd go through it again if I could feel the anointing I feel right now. I'd go through it again. Come on, can I tell you, life has not been easy. Life has not been easy for this preacher. And life hasn't been easy for you. But hear me, if pressure, I feel the Holy Ghost, if pressure, amen, is what caused a six-year-old boy who didn't know nothing about God to stand in the presence of God. I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know what to say, but someone told me just say hallelujah. 
I remember as a young boy, I didn't know what I'd go through. I didn't even truly understand all the pressure that we were under as a family. But as I said, hallelujah, something began to happen. And, I, and for those who have been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, you know what I'm talking about. Amen. I just felt the, the spirit of God begin to descend down on me and fill me with his presence. And can I tell you, when God filled me with the Holy Ghost, it was the greatest thing I had ever experienced. And hear me, this is why it's important. Because one moment will anchor you for the rest of your life. One moment will anchor you for the rest of your life. Because just because you're filled with the Holy Ghost doesn't mean that pressure stops. But when you've had some experiences, pressure, amen, will cause you to reflect and remember the goodness of God. And I feel like God wants somebody to have that moment today. There's going to be a moment you have. It doesn't mean life is going to be perfect. But even when life is not perfect, I'm going back. I'm going back. I remember. I remember what it felt like uh, because there's valleys I go through. Uh, come on, and you don't feel the presence of God. Uh, but I know what it's like to dance in the spirit. Uh, you got to reflect back. Uh, come on, you're going to get through this pressure. You're going to get through this hardship. Uh, God's going to fill you with an anointing today. But don't allow pressure to break you. You got to allow pressure to build you. Hear me. I'm, I'm moving quickly. I don't want you to miss this. I, I want you to see this. In verse number nine, he says, I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. Amen. Poverty, but thou art rich. Mm. Amen. Poverty, but thou art rich. I see the calculus meme. How? How does no money, <laughs> you have to understand, this was an oxymoron for them. Because Smyrna lived in one of the most beautiful places of its time, filled with wealthy people. And they were broke and they were dying and God told them that they were rich. So you're dealing with the people, and, and it, just, just research Smyrna after church. It was a beautiful city. You're dealing with the people who was looking at everybody else living in mansions. And they had nothing, but God told them that they were rich. Because one of the revelations of pressure and persecution and hardship is to understand that it's not material things that determine your success. And it's not material things that predicate your wealth. But it's those things that can't be measured. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody today. You're a blessed person today. Because you may not have a lot of money, but there are millionaires on heels uh, that are committing suicide. Uh, and you're full of the Holy Ghost. Uh, you ought to thank God. You ought to thank God. Because hear me, if my situation, hear me, I, I feel to preach this. This is not an easy thing to preach. If my situation is keeping my salvation, then you ought to thank God for your situation. As bad as you want that career, as bad as you want that house, you know what prayers I pray? I say, God, I pray you never bless me more than my character is able to handle. Because what does it matter? What does it matter if you get the house, the job, the career, and your soul is lost? Come on, if pressure is keeping me saved, don't take me out. If the valley is keeping me praying, don't take me out. I'd rather be saved. I'd rather be saved. 
accept and enjoy the riches of this world. What if I told somebody, I'm not, I'm, praise God, I don't want you to leave and say, Brother Puller told me to be, to, to be poor. It would be a very bad vision-giving service <laughs> if God's goal was to get you poor. But what I'm trying to preach to somebody is there's seasons in life that if you weren't under that amount of pressure, your prayer life would go down, your consecration would go down, your anointed would go down. Can I tell you, it's sometimes in the hardest times of life. Can I tell you, let me just be candid, praise God. I, I know what it's like to be broke. I know what it's like to be broke, broke. And I know what it's like to be broke, broke, broke. Amen. I know what it's like to be broke and to preach to people and see God pouring out his spirit. And it gave me an understanding that if this kind of pressure is producing an anointing that is seeing life changed, God, don't take this pressure off me. Don't take this pressure off me because pressure produces the supernatural. Pressure produces the miracles. And if you want to see miracles, stand under the pressure. Pray under the pressure. Submit to the pressure because it releases the hand of God. Amen. Can I preach to somebody at my home church? We've experienced the great, I've experienced the greatest loss of my life. The greatest man of God, the greatest man of God in my eyes that have ever lived, God took him home. And I felt like I didn't have enough, I didn't have enough time with him. But can I tell you, through that, there's been an anointing to minister to an area that I wasn't able to minister to before. I can preach to somebody about grief because I went through grief. I can preach to somebody what it's like to be poor because I've been poor. But can I tell you, for those of us who want a perfect life, you won't have any kind of testimony that's able to transform lives. You got to say, God, if I'm going through this, uh, it's producing something uh, that's going to transform lives uh, because it's not about me. Uh, I'm going to get my mansion. I'm going to get my crown one day when I go home. But until then, uh, I'm more worried about snatching souls out of the fire. I'm more. Come on. This is about the kingdom of God. Go through the pressure. Go through the pressure. It produces the anointing of God in your life. Hear me. I'm hurrying. How can you be rich and poor? The answer is found in the very name of Smyrna. I want you to catch this. Smyrna is closely related to the word myrrh. Everybody say myrrh. Myrrh is a resin that's extracted from small trees. Watch this. And myrrh is used in the embalming process because its fragrance is able to cut through that which is decaying and dying. Myrrh was invaluable because it had great properties that could be used to preserve the body of the deceased. But watch this. In order for you to get the fragrance, and in order for you to get the preserving properties that could cut through the stench of death, in order you, for you to get the, per, the preserving properties that could preserve the body of the death, you had to crush the substance. The perfume was lovely, but in order for you to get the fragrance, you had to crush the substance. I've come to give somebody this revelation about pressure, that what you feel is crushing you and what you feel is killing you is not only preserving you, but it's releasing the supernatural in your life. 
Hear this preacher. The crushing was not meant to destroy you. The pressure was not meant to break you down. The pressure is meant to release something in your life. And can I tell you for all those, come on, that are facing persecution, there's a fragrance that, that's being released. There's an anointing that's being released when you're crushed, when you're down and out, when you're helpless, when you're suffering. Can I tell you, it's, it's releasing something. It's releasing something. And when you understand this, it makes you realize how dumb the devil is. When you realize this, it makes you realize how dumb our adversary is. Because the more you press me, the more you persecute me, the more you crush me, the greater the miracle, the greater the blessing, the greater the revival. Come on. That's why Isaiah puts it this way. Amen. When the enemy shall come in like the flood, the Lord will raise up a standard against him. Can I preach to somebody? It's okay. Be backed into the corner. Come on. Be pushed down. But let the devil know, the more you press me, the greater God is going to show up in my life. The greater. Because, hear me, your end is already determined. The victory is already guaranteed. That's why the Bible says run the race that is set before you. It's set. It's fixed. Watch this. And so there's only two options. You endure the pressure and reap the reward, or you cave to the pressure and don't see it. So when you understand this, you understand the devil is facing a losing battle. Because the harder he comes against me, the greater the miracle is in my life. And the greater the miracle is in my life, uh, the more I trust God, uh, the more I believe God for. I'm trying to preach to somebody. I understand you're under pressure. I understand life is hard. Uh, but I'm telling you, God's going to show up. Uh, God's about to show up, uh, and he's going to transform you. Uh, God's about to show up, uh, and he's going to anoint you. Uh, God is... But you got to allow pressure to release something in your life. You got to allow pressure to release the supernatural in your life. Because the more we're afflicted, the more we multiply. Exodus, that's the way we talked about on Wednesday. Acts 8, the more they were persecuted, the greater the revival that sprang forth. I'm preaching to somebody today. Amen. Don't be fearful. Don't be weary in well-doing. Come on, keep fighting and keep praying because there's a beauty that comes from understanding. There's nothing life can put me in that will cause me to stop my dedication and faithfulness to the house of God. I'm not preaching to you a fantasy. I'm preaching to you something I lived. Come on, I know what it's like for life to hit you and take all your breath away. I know what it's like for life to hit you and you don't feel the anointing and you don't feel like praying. But I also know what it's like to not feel like praying and pray anyways. For life to hit me and pray anyways. Because prayer is not predicated on what's happening in my life. Prayer is predicated on who I am and what I do. I don't just pray when it's good. I pray when it's bad. I just don't, I don't pray just when I'm blessed. I'm, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And the way you overcome pressure is to simply remain faithful and keep doing what you know to do. Why should I allow life to stop me? Why should I allow circumstances to stop me? I'm preaching to somebody today that pressure God uses pressure. God anoints pressure. God anoints brokenness. God blesses that which has been destroyed. But you got to keep the faith. Can you lift your hands? Let's all stand across this house. I'm going to quickly go through this. I'm running out of time. <clears throat> Daniel chapter 3. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk through this really quickly and let you go. Daniel chapter 3 tells us a story of three Hebrew boys that refused to be destroyed by pressure. They had a pressure to conform and bow down to society. Since they refused to bow, they were thrown into the fire. I'm going to quickly go through this. Amen. I wish I could spend a lot of time on it. Hear me. There are three things. Amen. Hear me. Three things that happen when you remain faithful in spite of pressure. The first is in Daniel chapter 3, verse 22. Bible says that because they bowed, now they are about to be thrown into the flame. And the Bible says that the king's commandment was urgent. The furnace was exceedingly hot. The flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The first thing you see about faithfulness and pressure is that what was meant to destroy you destroys your enemies. The fire didn't destroy Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The fire, amen, destroyed those that were throwing them in. Can I tell somebody what, what you feel is going to kill you is not going to kill you. It's going to kill the adversary. Can I preach to somebody the pressure is not going to break you. The pressure is going to break the devil off your back. Can I preach to somebody the pressure is not going to destroy you. The pressure is going to destroy your afflictors. But you got to remain faithful in spite of pressure. Second thing I'm hearing, the second revelation of faithfulness, it is that in, it's in there that we see God. Watch this. You don't see God speak to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego the whole time. <laughs> they didn't even see that God was with them when they were being thrown into the fire. They didn't allow pressure to cause them to backslide even without the assurance that God was going to be with them. But watch this. It wasn't until they were thrown in the fire that the fourth man was revealed in the fire. Can I preach to somebody? It's in the storm. It's in the fire that God has revealed to you. It's in the, come on. One of the effects of being faithful, amen, when you're facing pressure is that that's when God shows up. God doesn't show up, come on, when everything is perfect, but God will show up when you're thrown into the fire. Come on, face your persecution and your pressure understanding that it's in this fire I'm going to see Jesus. It's in this fire I'm going to see something I've never seen before. Lastly, faithfulness in a storm. I want you to see this. After Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, this is what Nebuchadnezzar spake. An idolatrous people. They were wanting them to worship the king. He said, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who has sent this angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him and have, cha and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree that every people, nation, and language would speak anything amiss against the Shadrach, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces. Pressure produced a testimony that transformed a nation. Can I preach to somebody? Pressure is going to bring revival. Pressure is going to change the opinions of all the other churches in Carson City. But you got to go through pressure. You got to go through pressure. God is not going to destroy you. God is going to build you. God is not going to break you. God is going to anoint you. I've come to preach to somebody today. That pressure produces. It destroys your enemies. It causes you to see God. And it produces a testimony that brings forth revival. Let me preach to a man, a sinner today. We're all sinners. Let me preach to somebody who doesn't have 
God in their life. Hear this preacher. I don't care if you've never been in an apostolic church a day in your life. Can I tell you, I've seen people come to an altar and respond not to what they knew, hear me, but what they felt. And I'm preaching to somebody who doesn't have the Holy Ghost right now. You felt the anointing of God while I was preaching. Pressure in life has pushed you to this moment. Hear me, this is a tipping point for you. And if you will respond to what you feel and come down to this altar, God is going to fill you with the Holy Ghost today. And when God fills you to the Holy Ghost, with the Holy Ghost, you're going to be able to go through things that used to throw you on a drug binge. You're going to have the victory over things that have been persecuting you all your life. Can I tell you that in this altar, generational curses can be broken. And from your dedication will spring a lineage that serves and worship God. Because I'm here because a mother went through the fire. What will happen today? Ma'am, sir, if you make up in your mind, you're going to live for God. What will happen? Where will you be 20 years from now? You couldn't have told my depressed, alcoholic mother that her boy would be a preacher. But she found something that when she started going through fire, now she didn't even smell like the fire that she'd been through. I'm preaching to somebody today. There's an anointing in this house to break curses off of you. There's an anointing in this house to heal somebody of addictions. Pressure, I understand it's going on, but pressure has pushed you to this moment. And now with every hand lifted and every eye closed, I wonder if you would respond to the tugging of God on your heart right now. I wonder if you'd respond to the moving of his spirit that says life is hard. Life is difficult, but God is greater than the pressure I face. And if I'd endure, I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Amen. I want to open these altars. If you don't have the gift of the Holy Ghost, I want you to come down to this altar right now as fast as you can. I'm telling you, God is about to whew, God is about to fill you with the Holy Ghost today. Come on, respond. Don't let distractions throw you out. Don't let life throw you out. Come on. If you need the gift of the Holy Ghost, I want you to come down to this altar right now. Amen. If you're a saint and you're struggling and you're facing persecution, I want you to come down to this altar right now. There's an anointing that's about to be released in this house. There's an anointing that's about to make a difference in your life right now. I want your hands lifted right now. I want your voices raised. God is about to pour out his spirit. Come on, come on, lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. There's a revelation in your pressure today. You're about to feel the anointing that's only produced through hardship. Can we lift our voices and pray all over this house?
Between. 